I'll go first. Uh, Ryan Kelly, uh, teaching pastor here at Desert Springs. Been here for seven years. Originally from Detroit. Um, pastored in Denver for about four years before coming here. And uh, I think we can honestly say that Albuquerque's home for us. We feel like this is home. Um, my kids were recently in an Albuquerque tourism video. And so they were given their reasons why they love Albuquerque. It's on YouTube. Um, I'll put it on our church blog someday. But um, <laughs> I loved it, not just because my kids are on YouTube, um, which is a big deal for me. You guys probably put your kids on YouTube all the time. I, <laughs> I don't know how to get the stuff from the camera to the computer. Um, so, like, yeah, it, it, what it symbolizes for me is that um, my kids love Albuquerque, and they call this home, and we're home. So I, I believe in long-term ministry. Uh, I said that when I came to Desert Springs, that I, um, if the Lord would, would will, I'd love to die here, love to die in ministry here, um, which may be sooner than later. I don't know. <laughs> you know, the Lord can answer that prayer a couple different ways. Um, <laughs> so I'll just shut up now. And... <laughs> We, we can help. We can help. <laughs> yeah, a little rag in yes. the gas tank, huh? <laughs> Failed the first time. But... <laughs> try, try again. Yeah. Uh, Michael Kelshaw, I'm the pastor of Trinity at the Marketplace uh, in town. Uh, came back to Albuquerque to uh, Pastor Trinity six and a half years ago. I have a great wife, Laura. We've been married for 12 years. Uh, Going on 13 years now, and she is pregnant with our seventh baby. Mm. So I am that guy Dave was talking about. (laughs) And uh, it's great, great to be here. Awesome. Um, Well, with your last talk, Dave, was talking about the church. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you guys, and Ryan and Michael especially, um, what was the journey that God brought you to fall in love with the local church to where now you guys serve as elders over your own local body? Um, yeah, what was that journey like? So, um, Michael, why don't you start? Um, it's a great, great question. I, uh, you know, Jesus converted me. I fell in love with him, and then falling in love with the church just made sense. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, and my dad's a pastor, uh, and he modeled loving Jesus and loving people uh, and loving the local church. I lived like the devil for most of my growing up. wasn't converted until I was 18, and um, then I was converted and, uh, and started to uh, just grow. Uh, more more in love with Jesus. And it, for me, just loving the church was part of that, just as you were talking about today, Dave. And uh, so I, I, I wasn't thinking full-time Christian work. Um, so actually, I, I uh, was converted just as I was finishing high school. Then I went off to college to study physical therapy. Um, but after two years, I took a gap year um, out of uh, my undergraduate degree and went to England and went to work in a church. And um, a friend of my dad's just got around a bunch of men who, uh, who loved the Bible, who loved Jesus, who loved 
people who love telling people about Jesus. Um, so just, I, I think, you know, just got around a bunch of guys who, who were doing the, the, you know, three Ps of ministry, proclamation, prayer, and people keeping. And um, so picked up their model. And um, God's sovereign. He organized the whole thing. I just kind of stumbled through the process. So then I came back, started doing youth ministry, although I don't want to admit that to <laughs> <clears throat> Although I much more share your position now. <laughs> um, and, uh, and one thing led into another, and I found myself going to theology college, being ordained, and, and then uh, the context that I'm in, once that happens, you kind of get swallowed up. So that, uh, that's what happened for me. Mine somewhat reversed. Uh, I was converted, I think, by the age of 17. Um, had a love for God's Word and appetite to know it better. Um, I was a, uh, by 18, I was a biochemistry major at the University of Michigan in a former life. Um, and I couldn't get away from the Bible. I didn't want to do chemistry and calculus and physics and all the things I had in first year. Um, biochemistry degree, and so I, I left University of Michigan to, to go be a Bible student, not sure exactly what that would mean, but I figured that's probably a, the, you know, the clearest thing at that point for me for a call to ministry. Uh, my call to ministry, if you want to call it that, is sort of trying something in that direction, and it goes well, and then trying some more in that direction, and it goes well, and so I think, I think that's kind of a safe way to pursue ministry um, because it needs confirmation along the way from others and in your own heart. Um, but in college, while I'm there to study for the ministry, um, at least my first year, I did not have good ecclesiology. I did not have love for the church, even though um, in a lot of ways I'd grown up in the church. Um, so I did what a lot of kids do at a liberal arts Christian school. Uh, if a guy starting a series in Revelation, you're there. A uh, new worship leader, back then, you know, it was really cool if you had a guitar. I know it's pretty normal now, but back then, 92, I mean, you know, the one that had a guitar was like, okay, let's go check this out. This, this worship leader is, is really cool. So you go there for a while. And so I bounced around between churches for a long time. And, um, and finally someone said to me, a friend uh, said, Hebrews thirteen seventeen says that there are elders who give an, uh, give an account for watching for your soul. So who are the elders that are going to give an account for you? And so it just clicked. The penny dropped at that point where I realized uh, membership was a must and being connected in one church was a must. And, you know, not just being part of a college group, but, um, you know, being there for everything, serving the church, giving to the church. Um, so I, I clicked later, but um, and, and with that, with that clicking, came uh, a real love for the body—not just a love for the word, like I think I had probably in the, the months leading up to that point. Um, yeah, so I could go on, but I'll stop there. Awesome. So after today's talk, I'm, this past talk, I'm guessing there's guys who say, "Okay, I want to repent. I want to turn from seeing um, treating." Christ's bride as a waitress, as a maid, as a porn star. Uh, I want to. I want to get plugged in. I want to serve. Um, you know, as leaders, what are just some practical ways you could speak into a guy that's sitting here going, "Okay, I've gone shopping around. So now what?" 
somebody mentioned something to me before this time that was really helpful. It was insightful. Uh, just not the individual pursuing the church as a maid or a waitress or a porn star, but also church doing church that way. And there needs to be mutual responsibilities. There, there are churches who do church like a porn star, and I wouldn't tell them that. That would not be too encouraging because these are guys I love. But there's this mindset that let's put something sexy out there that's going to draw in a big crowd, and we'll go light on calling people to repentance and, and commitment. Uh, or let's go after felt needs a lot, and so let's be the waitress. You know, and we got the best kitchen in town. So, um, so I think that was a fair comment that somebody brought up, that it's a both-and situation. Uh, I can only speak to Mars Hill. For, for any of our guys that are here that are with guys from Mars Hill or you want to get involved in Mars Hill, get in the community group. Uh, mission is, I mean, excuse me, ministry is always done in the context of community. Get in a group. It may not be a formal ministry to begin with. You may be the guy who shows up on Monday night to your group and you encourage people. You just seem to realize, wow, people come to me with hard stuff and I, and I remind them of how good God is and God uses me that way. Um, who knows? You may have culinary arts gifts. I don't know. Uh, that would be cool. Um, but whatever. <laughs> There's starting community, and I totally agree with what Pastor Ryan said, that it's a trial and error. It's doing something and seeing how that goes, getting affirmed. Very few people find their sweet spot right away. For those of us probably in, who've been serving at the elder level in church for many years now, I think I'm starting to figure out a little bit more what my sweet spot is. And I have guys that will tell me, hey, don't touch administration when you do that. Everything goes badly, so don't do that. I, Pastor Dave, I think that's incredibly helpful. I, I, I'd, uh, you know, if that, if, if that is where you're at, um, then, then uh, we want to really encourage that. That's a, that's a great uh, conviction, and, uh, and you need to re- repent of some stuff you've done. And, uh, and you need to start getting plugged in and, and get plugged into a community group. Um, w- one of the tendencies now might be for you to think that you can be an elder tomorrow. Um, you can't. You just need to know that you can't because just as Pastor Ryan was saying just a minute ago, um, you, you have to be assessed as well. So, uh, so the thing I'd encourage is uh, jump in to, uh, to the community group and serve in those small ways, and, uh, and, and uh, just get known uh, by the elders, uh, perhaps start reading the Bible one-to-one with, um, with uh, a, an older Christian guy in the congregation, and, um, and start growing, uh, studying the Bible and praying, uh, repenting, prizing, and treasuring the Lord Jesus, and, uh, and seeing great ways to plug in and serve and help, and, uh, and then through that, allow uh, the elders in your local church to identify you, and to train you, and, uh, and, to, and uh, the Lord to lead things from there, would you say? Yeah. I love that First Timothy 3.1 talks about, if anyone aspires to the role of elder overseer, he desires a noble task. So I would tell you, if you came to me tomorrow and said, hey, it's my first Sunday here, I want to be an elder at Morris Hill Church. My first thing would be, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now let's work towards that end. Uh, and, and again, it's exactly that. It's serving in humble ways, and it's, it's gradually uh, growing in your life and doctrine. I want to see who you are and what you're doing. And there's joy in that. There's great joy in that. So totally agree with you.
uh, I can think of several stages in uh, kind of a sequence of involvement. And one would be you haven't yet settled on a church. Um, Josh Harris has a great book, Stop Dating the Church. I mean, at some point, you've shopped enough and you need to pick a grocery store. Um, you know, you've done enough window shopping to wear out the windows. Just, just now pick something and, and go with it. Pick the best church you know of in town and, and go with it. And then uh, for us, that would mean membership is next. So we have a membership class. You guys both have membership? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we can talk membership if you want about why that's important. Um, I know it's, there's no verse in the Bible that says in their uh, they set up membership in their church. Uh, it's definitely by implication. It's not explicit, but I think it's, uh, especially in our culture, it's um, more and more needed. Uh, in our consumeristic culture, where people do pop in, pop out, they're here for a little bit, then they try something else. Um, we need to know as shepherds, especially in a church our size and bigger, you, you need to know who is raising their hand to say, I want to be a part of the body. I want to be a hand that's doing this or an arm that's lifting this or, or whatever. We don't know who's in and who wants to be accounted for in that Hebrews thirteen seventeen way that elders will give an account for your soul um, unless you just overtly say so. Um, so do something more than attend. Uh, join a church. Uh, community group would be key for us here at Desert Springs. Um, where community and mission and worship are all happening together on an intimate level. Um, There are other ways in which men can be trained in our church beyond that. Um, There there are men's Bible studies. We don't emphasize them as much as we do. Our community groups are on an alternative to our community groups. Um, But but then I would also say if, if you're like the rich young ruler who says to Jesus, I've done all those commandments since my youth, what else you got? Uh, Jesus doesn't like that when he says that. But we do like that here. We like that when you say, I've done all that, now what else? Um, I think you should seek out leaders in your church and say, what else? Ask them what else. And, and, and they probably will set up something of one-on-one discipleship or talk about other classes. Or, I mean, if you're thinking ministry or eldership someday in the future, they might um, kind of prescribe, informally prescribe some online classes about Bible and theology that might help or do recommended reading. Um, I've discipled guys sometimes simply by book recommendations. Sometimes I'm meeting with guys one-on-one and discipling them in that way. And some other times I'm like, okay, you don't know about this book? Read this book. If you finish this one, I'll give you another one. Um, and um, not that books are always the answer, but, but sometimes that is a way to move from good to great in a sense of your service ability in the church, your leadership ability in the church. So, so no one here should feel like there's no application for, from what Dave said to you to what to do next. I don't think. There, there are always ways for us to, to be growing. And I mean, I know I'm growing, hopefully, trying to grow. And I think you guys would say the same. We're never done growing and um, trying to learn how to serve others better. I can just speak into that with my own um, life. Is I had no idea what church was when I walked in here um, first time in 2002 as pretty much an unbeliever, not knowing why I was coming. Um, and as I got to go here, came here longer and longer, started to get plugged in at the well, um, I remember just asking Matt King, who was director of the well at the time, man, can we meet and, you know, do you disciple me, I didn't know what I was saying. Is I quite understand all the Christianese, but I was like, "That's apparently what we do, right? We 
you disciple me. Um, so I didn't know. I was just like, all right, cool. Can you do that? Um, and that's how it started. So sometimes just putting yourself out there. Uh, it's a two-way thing. It, 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 the church isn't, isn't like um, Dave said. Even in this, it could be um, treating, end up treating the church like a waitress or, or you're, you're just demanding. Like, how can you develop me? How can you develop me? How can you develop me? Well, they never were there to develop me. Eventually, you do need to take a step out and go, man, can we, I, I've seen how you interact with your kids. I see you seem to know the word. Man, can we just hang out? And th- that's my encouragement to you younger guys. Um, that maybe don't have older guys coming to you, um, man, just step out there and just go, hey, can we do coffee and hang out? Um, I mean, it was a real blessing to me. Can I add to my answer? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm his boss, right? So I, I, it's a rhetorical question. Um, yes, sir, you can. <laughs> just kidding. We don't talk about bosses here. Um, I think a really important application from what Dave was talking about, a kind of a what-not-to-do thing um, that isn't in that stream that I just described, is get in a church, get active. Yes, take the next step, whatever that looks like for you. But you need to prayerfully commit to this church and put your complaints in Scripture and in prayer, which either means they're going to get covered. Love covers a multitude of sins, not least... Um, a multitude of church disagreements or differences or preferences. Um, Or it's going to mean an honest question to a leader in the church that you have this concern, you address it. Um, I don't know how many times people have come to me and said, we have this concern, here it is. And I can say, I'm so glad you told me that because we know we're, it's a concern for us, too. We're working on it. It's going to take some time. Here's why. Step one, two, three, and four. Here's why it's not fixed tomorrow. But we're on it. We know it's a problem. Bear with us and, and help us. Um, but where it gets to be a big problem is when this crap list starts getting bigger and bigger. And I can't tell you how many times people have, have left our church. It's so heartbreaking um, to, to any shepherd who cares. Um, to hear that a family's leaving a church, and now they have the, they've already left basically, so it's in a letter um, or it's in a, a lunch that they've scheduled, you know, months after they've left. Uh, sometimes, and, and um, it, there's this list. Here are five reasons why we we left, and some of them um, are dumb. You know, they're not true. Like that's well, that's not true, or it's you didn't go to that person, and you should have gone to that person. Um, and each one of these things on their own really isn't that big of a deal, but they let this laundry list accumulate. C- can you men just decide you're not going to do that? I mean, can you just decide that that's consumerism? I don't like Walmart because there are too many plastic hangers on the floor. Um, you know, and I don't need any belt buckles that say Bob on them, you know. Uh, I don't want Walmart. I'm a Target guy. Okay, you, you know, you like Target until, uh, until the plastic hangers are falling there. Um, just quit jumping church like you jump other businesses and, and be biblical about your concerns. Uh, you're going to have concerns at Desert Springs. So one of the things we do in our membership class is say, uh, you're not going to like things here. You're, you're going um, to have concerns eventually. Um, and if you don't have concerns, it's probably that you're not involved enough, right? Because enough 
togetherness and there's friction, but we need to talk about that friction. So I'm not saying Desert Springs is the church for you or maybe even either of these churches represented here by my dear brothers, but I think those are great churches too. I'm always excited when people are leaving for bad reasons at our church and they're going to one of these churches. Not because, because I, I hope it's going to... I love you too, brother. Because I hope, I, I want to say to those brothers and sisters that are moving on and going to a good church, good, now stop there. Right? Okay, stop there. Don't, don't keep this going. Um, anyway, you guys have any thoughts on, on that yeah. issue of people leaving and how they can do it? I mean, everyone in here, not everyone, some people will die in their churches like I want to. Um, a lot of these people will leave their churches, so how do they leave their churches? What are the reasons for it, and what's an appropriate way to address concerns in the meantime? First of all, thanks for sending us people that didn't work out here. Thanks. We've, got, we've got a few from right back Barthel. at you. Yeah. <laughs> I think Peter, James, and John have Actually, come from yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, It's fun, too, because I've been around long enough to see him go to Michael's, to, to Ryan's, and back to ours again. So anyway, we'll keep it in the family. Um, <laughs> I, I really think there's three good reasons to leave a church. Uh, three only. One there's uh, an integrity issue. Uh, you would be shocked at the people that come to the doors who tell horror stories uh, about church. Uh, last week, spoke with a woman. Uh, she is attending a church here in town. I'm not familiar with this church. She probably never heard of it, so don't try to research it. But anyway, she brought her single friend, a younger woman, with her, and within a week, the pastor slept with her, you know, and she doesn't know. What to, that's a church you should leave. Okay. When, 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 when biblical standards for leadership aren't upheld and there's confirming evidence that that's the case and the church is unwilling to deal with it, you should go. You should leave a church when uh, doctrine fails. When, when doctrine is no longer biblically, uh, biblically correct and you've, and you've had an appeal process, you've had a process to figure out, am I certain what you're saying here and you're convinced it's not biblical? You should go. And there are those rare times, and I think they're the exception, where the Lord will take you out of one place and move you to another. So as we begin, Lord willing, working together as churches and planting new churches, my hope is that some of you will leave Mars Hill um, and go to churches that are starting in different places because you feel the call of God in your life that way. But beyond that, and again, we've, just, we've lived through, and I know many of you guys in this room have, have gotten your, your, your knuckles bloody on this one. Making the transition from City on a Hill to Mars Hill was so telling. Um, very few people left well and left for good reason. Uh, I don't like a video. Really, that's a good reason to leave a church. Or, and then the, the most frustrating mind was, I love the church, I love the people, but it's changed, therefore I'm going to move. Well, what are you saying with that? If you love the people, stay with them. If you don't, then quit saying you love the people. And so, yeah, I totally agree with you. I don't, I don't know if there's other categories that I'm not thinking through. I don't know if I've got too many categories. Because you're absolutely right. Uh, the longevity of ministry is really important. It will take you guys years to experience true impact in the lives of others and to be impacted by others. So I would say those are three good reasons. The Lord clearly calls you out. You go to your leadership and it's affirmed. Uh, you're not leaving and running from a problem that persists and follows you from place to place. Doctrine is no longer important there or doctrine is in there or leadership lacks integrity. Pastor Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think just hearing, I agree with both of you. It's fantastic. I think hearing, um, I think hearing both of you, 
the, the differences between a God-centered approach to church and a self-centered approach to church, really. You know, I mean, what you're unpacking is in the lenses of a God-centered approach to church, are they being faithful to his word or not, you know, in their character, you know, conduct, right, and in their uh, conviction, in their theology, in their biblical theology. Um, and uh, so uh, having a God-centered approach to church, you know, being at a church that's teaching the Bible, that's being faithful, that's making progress, that's growing. Remember, Paul writes to, to Timothy, um, you know, just show them your progress. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so... So I think if you, um, if, you, if you are stuck into church in this, in this man-centered, self-centered kind of way, um, then you're going to leave for all the wrong reasons. Uh, but I think if you uh, make the decision, like Pastor Ryan's appealing to you on, uh, make the decision that you're going to engage in the local church in a God-centered way. And uh, so you're going to get involved in uh, the proclamation of the gospel there, praying and, uh, and people keeping there. You're not, <clears throat> you're not using the church for yourself, uh, like making Jesus an idol. You know, uh, uh, you're, you, uh, you, treasure, you trust and treasure Jesus uh, and uh, are completely satisfied in him and then rely on his grace to be able to love people, uh, you'll stay. You'll stay stuck in. It'll be, uh, be hard work, you know? I mean, um, it is, you're dealing with people, <laughs> and that's always going to be rough. Um, but I think by the grace of God, you, you, you have to trust in the Lord Jesus to be the man that he wants you to be in the local church. Yeah. So, I mean, I think in, in essence, pulling what you're both saying together, have a God-centered view of the local church, not a self-centered one. And, and therefore, belief dictates behavior, right? Creed determines conduct. So therefore, uh, having a biblical God-centered approach to the local church, then live like you have that. Yeah. You know, relying on his grace, his moment-by-moment grace, uh, pour yourself out for the local church. I think I've seen two patterns persist in people. If you find yourself chronically going from church to church, look in your heart for these two things. One is blame shift. Your life is hard. Your family's not what it should be. And you tend to put that yoke on the local. It's the fault of the local church. Because, again, their youth ministry doesn't have pizza or their pastor preaches too long or their worship is boring. The other thing that I see, especially among the younger generation of men in this room, it's an absolute rebellious heart towards authority. In other words, if I can move around and not commit to anything, I don't ever have to come under anyone's authority. So if you look at American culture in general, the two things you will find screaming off the charts about American younger generations are blame shifting. It's not my fault. It's, somebody, it's the people who raised me. And an absolute lack. No one's going to tell me what to do. And so we take that culture, we bring it into our church. Instead of confronting it through the church, we just accommodate it. We go from place to place to place. So some of you may need to do that. Some of you may need to do exactly what Pastor Ryan. Let the next place you be be the last place you be. And see if there's not a sense of blaming the church for what's really your issue. And if there's not a sense of, I will not be under anyone's authority. Because those are, those, are, those, are, those are big headship issues. Those are, again, about the preeminence of Jesus. And what's good is he will, he will get you to the place because he's tenacious. And he always wins. He's going to deal with that in your life. Deal with it today. 
as you have families and your families get larger, you will, you will, you will inadvertently put a hostility in your kids and a hatred for the church if you don't change that pattern that you're, you're, you're under. And their, their rebellion will be your rebellion and your rebellion theirs, and they'll eventually rebel in you in the same way. And the thing about that pattern is you'll get better and better at it, right? I don't know if you noticed as uh, Pastor Dave was, was uh, unpacking God's word for us, he, he, he kept on just cautioning us not to self-justify, right? You're sit- I know you're sitting there now coming up with all the reasons why you aren't going to be the man that God wants you to be to your wife and why you aren't going to be the, the man that God wants you to be to your kids and why you aren't going to be the man that God wants you to be to the church, right? And, and you notice how he kept on doing that? Because that's the pattern, right? The reason that Pastor Ryan is saying, let this church that you've gone to now, whichever one it is, be the last, be the one that you get stuck in, in and serve in uh, for the proclamation of the gospel and the glory of the Lord Jesus. The, the reason that he's saying that is because, because we get really, really good <laughs> at that kind of self-justification. Right? We continue to go down this pattern, we continue, and it's always somebody else's fault, normally the pastors, the elders, whoever's. You know? We never stop to think, maybe I'm importing my Mount Everest from the last place that I was at, right? for, for all of the sinful reasons that, that Pastor Dave just unpacked in the last talk, and, uh, and, and we get better and better at that, and, uh, and really what we need to do is we need to repent of that. We need to repent of that. Trust and treasure the Lord Jesus and rely on his grace to make that decision that this is going to be the place and I'm staying here. When I worked at that church in Cambridge, uh, obviously it's Cambridge University, so you get university students in uh, for three-year cycles. And uh, so we used to tell tell students when they'd come, uh, okay, um, you've, you've come here this Sunday here are two other Bible teaching churches in town. Okay, we're a Bible teaching church. Here's another Bible teaching church. Here's another Bible teaching church. Right, so in this sense, I might say, okay, you've come to Trinity today. Go to Morris Hill next week. Go to Desert Springs week after. On the fourth Sunday of the month, you get stuck in. You pick one of the three, and you stay there the whole time that you're here. Right? So just get stuck in and, uh, and serve there. Proclaim, pray, and people keep in that context. And um, so I don't know if that adds to anything else. This is an unrelated to pastoral longevity, um, I think. In other words, I came to this church saying I wanted to be here for a long time. And then I was here for five, six years and realized that there's some harder things about long-term ministry than... um, And I've been told that. I've been told that by more seasoned pastors. Um, But... But you realize it when you're in the actual occurrence of it, that um, you've been in a church as a pastor for a while, people compliment you less, and they do complain more. It's just a given, right? They, feel, they know you a little bit better, so they feel a little more open to say, you know what, this really is a shortcoming, I should tell you about it. Um, and, and he already knows, I think, his sermons are good, I don't need to tell him. So less praise and more picking in some ways, and some um, really helpful critique and rebuke. So about year five or year six here, I thought, maybe I should rethink this. Maybe I should rethink this long-term plan. I didn't start looking or anything, but I realized that there's a toughness about staying, and part of it is my flesh wanting praise. Part of it's my flesh not liking critique, and um, in, in some of the critique is helpful, and I'm, if I go someplace else, I'm going to miss out on whatever 
post-six-year pastorate critique looks like. So I think it's the same thing in membership. You keep at a church long enough, and people see trends, and they'll help you. And you'll see trends in others, and you'll help them. If you jump ship every five years, no one sees a trend. And you get to keep that little pocket of sin and rebellion in your heart and bring it to the next church and assume that it's everyone else's problem. And so I, I don't want to do that. So that's, that's one reason why I'm committed to long-term ministry is um, I need help seeing my sins. And the longer these brothers work alongside of me, um, they're going to help me see those things, talk about them. Sorry, I hijacked things, didn't I? Right. I was taking that away. <laughs> Back to Carlos. Um, well, we're pretty much out of time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now you get the preaching elders to do the Q&A, and you know, you're going to get two questions in. But, uh, <laughs> but um, just really quick, let's just go down the line. Um, at Dirt Springs, at Trinity at the Marketplace, and Mars Hill, Albuquerque. What are things that we as men can be praying for you guys as leaders? Um, and, you know, yeah, well, how can we lift you guys up in prayer? Hmm. Let me start. Yeah. Um, well, most of the folks at Desert Springs know this and are praying for it, and I'm thankful for that. But I get a lot of migraines. Uh, these guys know that and are often praying for me and asking me um, a lot. So... That's a real struggle. It's been, I've been getting them since I was a little kid, but the last two years or so have been um, like 20 or more a month or so. Uh, so that's, that's, been, that's been a pain in the butt for uh, ministry and for family, um, but I think it's God's pain. He's given it to me. He's some sort of thorn in the flesh. and um, So uh, I'd appreciate grace and wisdom if you pray for those things for me. And... Um, and beyond that, just everything I think you should be praying for, for uh, your pastor or pastors in town, um, for boldness and perseverance and for humility and for patience and growing in um, communicating love and growing in loving people. Um, pray for their families. So I, I'm sure these guys would say amen to, to that prayer request, those specific prayer requests. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And uh, yeah, I mean, along the line, lines of what Pastor Dave was saying a minute ago, you know, pray for our biblical faithfulness uh, in our preaching, uh, in our conviction, and in our character, in our lifestyle, and uh, a godly model uh, that we would model these things. And, um, and uh, I, you know, I just think in light of today as well, uh, pray, pray that God would, uh, in his grace and mercy, I just continue to, to grow what's happening here. Uh, this is exciting. Um, it's been a joy to sit at your feet today, brother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and um, I'm very excited uh, to have a growing friendship with Pastor Ryan and Pastor Dave. And, and uh, so you can pray that the feeling's mutual. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and pray that, uh, yeah, that our churches and, and others that, share theology and philosophy of ministry, uh, we get together and do ministry together. Continue to pray for that, I think. It is mutual. You had me at Mount Everest. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way you said that. Um, You know, I I think that you can pray for me a lot of what we talked about today. I think what's unique about uh, pastoral ministry is 
um, what we have in common, let me say it differently, is we're men. So we're going to struggle with the same thing you guys struggle. We're going to struggle with faithfulness, uh, obedience to Jesus. We're going to struggle being the men that we need to be at home. Um, we're going to struggle with the church. Maybe, maybe where some of you might struggle with uh, detachment from the church, my, my struggle is idolatry in the church. That uh, ministry and my in, in the role of being a pastor at times uh, can, can take precedent over uh, worshiping Jesus and, and finding my identity in him. So pray that. I pray that pray that I would be devoted to Jesus first and foremost, that I'd have a, just a loyal obedience, a passion for him. Pray that I'd be the man he wants me to be to care in my girls and, mm-hmm. and pray. Um, pray that, that I, would, I would have the church in right perspective. Um, you guys are the leaders of, of what's going on now. You really are. And, and I hope that's been clear today that, um, that you're the men that God's going to use to change the city. And, and our job, again, is to equip you and release you to go do that. And I couldn't be happy with who you are. And build relationships. Again, it's, it's, it's an exciting thing to build relationships across local churches. And you guys do the same. Appreciate. I know many of you have a heart for unity. So we, we covet your prayers. We need your prayers. Um, ask me hard questions when you see me. It's always good.